640 Toronto presents Think Tank, the breaking stories you care about. Please, tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. The backstories you don't know yet. That's my question! Facts and opinions that get you through your day. You never know what you're going to get. And now let's meet the guests. Let's do just that. 7.35 on Toronto Today. I've been looking forward to this one uh, all week. Not because it's the end of the week. And uh, this is like not even that they're the headline act. I mean, somebody had to. Queen and U2 didn't headline Live Aid. They didn't. They were play, They were just in the middle. But they're the two acts that people remember. We've got uh, Warren Kinsella joining us, National Post Toronto Sun. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, my friend. And by the way, uh, my mom is 77, sharp as a tack, and she's like, who's that new Warren guy you've got on the show? I really <laughs> – wait, I'm not ta- – oh, I really like him. Yeah, you didn't think I was going to say the opposite. I really like him. So so you're, you're doing well with Mrs. Brady, my mom. Well, thank you, Mrs. Brady. I hope I don't uh, let you down. And and as, as ben, Mulroney, uh, ben Mulroney knows, um, Ben, if you're killing it with the 76 and over demo – you got a great future in broadcasting. Am I right about that? Am I am I yes, right that, about that, Ben? That got me through 22 years at uh, Bell Media. That's my that was my bread and butter. <laughs> yeah, if you you keep getting the older demo to move, you, then you, then we can have careers like John Tesh. That guy's still uh, you know late night radioing it and telling funny stories with facts and all that. And by the way, we should mention Toronto this weekend with guest host Ben Mulrooney is is happening tomorrow morning and Sunday morning. You got uh, you got the morning show covered uh, seven to ten yeah. both mornings. Yeah, I do, Greg. And if I could take just 10 seconds to tell you about a really interesting conversation we're going to be having, because I think it applies to everybody who will be listening. I think we've all we've all found ourselves face to face with a friend whom we respect, uh, whom uh, we we have great relations relationships with. We might not agree with them all the time, but hey, that's what happens in in friendships. But on this one case, we do not see eye to eye. We're on either side of the fence. So we're going to be talking to a relationship expert about how do you? How does a, a friendship or a relationship move forward when an issue this big is getting in the way? Yeah, and marriages too. Warren, I, I would sit there anytime I saw, and this is in the states, James Carville and Mary Madeline sitting next to each other on TV. It was unmissable because there's a husband and wife who are absolutely at loggerheads politically. James Carville was an eight was an advisor to Bill Clinton, and Mary Madeline hated Bill Clinton. So that made for some great dinner time conversations. I bet at the Carville household. It does. And that that actually, like, seriously, you know, that is something that all of us need to keep in mind today and in the coming days is it's possible to disagree, you know, without getting angry and without resorting to violence. And regrettably, it looks like that's already happening around the world today. Well, let's start there with you, Warren. It's a, it's a concerning day for people waking up to it. A former leader of Hamas called today for a day of jihad, especially in major cities across the world. So I think this is more about concern of violence than than peaceful demonstration at this point. Some schools have sent warning notes home. Some parents at Hebrew schools have been documented. They're keeping their kids home today. Let's start with you, Warren. Do you fear today's results or consequences? We've probably got every Toronto cop imaginable on the street and a strong police presence in these Jewish areas. Are you worried about anything today? I am. Um, you know, if you you can go online right now, and this has been confirmed by the American Embassy, so it's important to seek out reputable news sources and you know reliable sources. And they've confirmed that an Israeli diplomat was stabbed on the streets of Beijing this morning. And there's terrible footage you can see online already. There's reports of a teacher being stabbed to death in a city in France. 
uh, and uh, Jewish schools and Jewish institutions and, and places of worship around the globe are closing up today because they're concerned about this call for a day of jihad. So, um, you know, the one, so that that's the one thing I'd advise everybody to do is seek out news sources that are reliable. There is a more manipulation that's been taking place in the past six days online than I think I've ever seen. And so, yeah. you know, fake footage and, you know, all of you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, all of us have to yeah. pay really close attention in the, in the era of deep fakes. You got to, you know, inform yourself with the right sources. But the, the second thing is, you know, in the coming days, obviously it's clear Israel's getting ready for a ground incursion into Gaza. I don't think they have any choice whatsoever. And we're going to be seeing more images and more footage that will be terrible and bloody and disturbing. And, you know, I think we've all got to support each other, make sure that we yeah. stand on the side of civilization and decency. I think we're braced for it. Ben, what are your thoughts today um, of, of possible results or consequences? We don't want this to be a new normal where somebody calls for a day of jihad and every day we freeze and tense up and we can't have that, but we need to be aware and conscious of it. Oh, absolutely. And I have friends whose children are in uh, Hebrew schools and Jewish schools uh, across Toronto. Uh, they, by and large, are keeping their kids home. My kids go to a public school here in the neighborhood. Uh, so I think the yeah. the chance of, of anything happening for, for where they go to school is low. Uh, so they will be going to school. Um, but uh, of course, the school is paying attention and they're mm -hmm. taking precautions. And I think everybody should everybody should, should uh, be asking them to be looking at this from the perspective entirely of as a parent, do I feel comfortable sending my child to school today? Some, some may just decide I'm going to keep them home for a, little, a few days, uh, and that's entirely their right. Um, but you, got, you, you as a parent have to do what you're comfortable with. It's an odd one too, Ben, because it is not is not. I'll evoke 9/11 only in that in New York City. I know that people just felt after September 12th, September 13th, September 14th. When can I go do something again? How do I tiptoe out of my house? When will everything feel normal again? And because it didn't happen in Toronto proper, or Montreal proper, maybe we have a different feel for this. But this just feels so this feels this just feels more global at this point. I'm not compounding or comparing the tragedies, but this just feels like we've got to be more aware more often. Put it that way. Well, well, I, I, I struggle to understand the logic of this. They, you know, they, they, there are uh, we've seen the the thousands of people that showed up as counter protesters to to support Hamas um, in the streets of, of Canada. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't I don't understand this. This will galvanize if there's violence uh, and children are killed in Canada. If children are killed in the United States and in the UK, mm -hmm. you can be sure that there is going to be a push for Canada, for the United States, for Australia, for wherever that violence occurs, to take a far more active role in this arena than they, than they otherwise would. Warren, it's I, I spoke to somebody last night and it was just such a prescient conversation because he it would very much be, um, how would I put it, pro-Palestinian. He would say Palestine has needed their own territory. Palestine's people have been at times abused. But here's what he said. He's allowed to have that opinion, like we were saying earlier. Here's what he said. In a million trillion years, I wouldn't have been at that rally at two o'clock on Monday in a million trillion years. I don't show up with a Palestine flag because I know what that's going to be associated with. That's not that's not. Hey, you know, we're, we're, our people are struggling right now. That was seen as an endorsement and a support of Saturday's violent massacre. And he knew better than to be there. Yeah. And the, the you know, this bears repeating over and over again. Hamas 
and Hezbollah do not equal Palestine. No. Hamas are not Palestinians. They are thugs. They're thugs in the model, you know, I say this as an Irish Catholic, in the model of the IRA. They have occupied Gaza. They have been terrorizing the Palestinian people since they took control back, you know, 15 years ago. They, they just don't target Israelis. They target Palestinians, too. And this is why the Israelis have been compelled to go in. They've issued um, a call this morning for the occupants of Gaza City, and that's a lot of people, to start heading south to get away from the, or north, but get away from Gaza City. Because Hamas is based there in a labyrinth of tunnels. Uh, Like You can't even imagine how big and how intricate this tunnel system is. Their command centers are down there, and that's why Israel has to move in. But they obviously want to move out civilians because, as I say, these are innocent people. They're innocent families, innocent children. And not all every Palestinian is a supporter of Hamas. Far from it. Most oppose the violence that took place last Saturday and the terrible things that took place. But, you know, as I say, Israel has no choice. No choice. Uh, that's Warren. Wor- so go Greg, ahead, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just want to jump in as well. And I, I think I said this a couple of days ago, but I was at the rally at Mel Lastman Square with 15,000 people supporting the people of Israel. And not one, I didn't hear one person referring to the Palestinian people in a negative way. Every, everything was directed at Hamas. The, the, the nuance is not lost on those who are supporting mm. Israel here. The, the, the nuance is not lost. For some reason, when, 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 when certain apo- uh, uh, counter-protesters hear, I, I stand firmly on the side of Israel, they hear, I stand firmly on the side of Israel to attack innocent Palestinians. That is not the argument. Never has been and won't become the argument. The argument is we need to root out this evil, this rot, so that if there is a chance for peace, it can begin anew with a with a government uh, and uh, people on the other side of the table who don't have in their charter as a goal the complete and total destruction of Israel and the Jewish people. That absolutely reminds me of being in university, Warren. My first university year was 1991, and that's Operation Desert Storm with the with the George Herbert Walker Bush U.S. government going into Iraq after they invaded Kuwait. And there was a rally at Western, um, at, at Western University, then UWO. And, and I drove by it, and I was talking to somebody because I actually saw one of my friends there who was from one of my poli-sci classes. And he said, I'm not, I'm not here supporting Saddam Hussein. I'm just go in and get Saddam Hussein. But don't destroy the whole infrastructure of Iraq. But again, right, we conflate these things and it can be easily misunderstood that somebody at a protest waving a bunch of Iraq flags in 1991. It's almost an anti-American protest, but that's not what he was there for. So it's it's these are such easy things to confuse. And, you know, we do have a problem. And I think we're going to be talking about this in the weeks and months ahead. We have a problem on our university campuses, like at Harvard University, no less. You know, the very summit of post-secondary education, dozens of student groups issued a letter this week praising Hamas, praising terror, praising these these so-called men who killed babies. And, you know, when things are like happening like that at a place like Harvard, you know, we've got a significant problem. And then, you know, at York York University last night. Yeah. 
Yeah, we really need to, because obviously the education that we're mm-hmm. hoping that young people are receiving is not the education they're getting. And I'll just clarify, yeah, the, uh, the, the York University Student Union, not a specific group, but the entire student union, Ben, put out a statement describing yeah. Saturday's massacre as a, quote, strong act of resistance. And to me, you and I talked about earlier in the week, Saturday was an event. It's a one opinion event to me. Going on now, we can debate too harsh, too soft. This tactic, that tactic. Of course we can. And we have to. But that's not what Saturday's about. Not at all. Well, I, you know, I, I'm so glad we're talking about this because this has been a concern for a lot of parents for a while. We've been watching. We've been watching um, with with mm. nervous anticipation the um, sort of the the the, the militant um, development of sort of. Uh, what's going on on these college campuses across Canada and the United States. I've been very worried that when my kids get to school, if they held an opinion that ran counter to the conventional wisdom of that school, what would happen to my kid just for being curious, just for being a little confrontational. Uh, and now we see we see what happens after years and years of this at, at these universities. I heard, I think I saw it on on Warren's Twitter, um, mm-hmm. what happened in a, on, in, at Stanford University. Um, where Israeli Jewish kids were asked to stand in the corner uh, after this uh, horrible um, day of violence. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the language of the left as it refers to um, Israel is, is BDS, boycott, divestment and sanctions. And I got to tell you, I kind of think we need something like that for our, for our Canadian universities. I did not have any time for anybody who said uh, we need to withhold um, um, funding to these edu- uh, to, to, to these universities that uh, that uh, espouse certain types of uh, positions. I'm not looking at the position. I'm looking at the result. These are the people who will be taking over. This is the next generation of Canadians, yeah. next generation of leaders. If this is the result of our investment in their future, we have invested in the wrong things. And I think mm. I think it's it's incumbent upon those who have put a lot of money behind these schools and endowments. I think this uh, this has to do with uh, a lot of uh, uh, influential uh, uh, alumni. If you think that 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 these universities are going in the wrong direction, then you need to pull every lever at your disposal to change the direction of the education system in this country. It's a massive conversation to have, that's for sure. I want to I want to slide this along to the NDP federal convention this weekend and, and start with you, Warren. Jugmeet Singh, um, everyone's star fades politically. You were with a liberal government where that star faded. I don't know if, if, if Ben's aware um, with any family members. Sometimes your star fades politically at a certain point in time. It happens, it happens. What advice, Warren, would you give the NDP, the federal NDP? Uh, 338 Canada has them projected at 19 seats in the next election whenever it is. We're a long way away from Jack Layton having over 100 seats in the 2011 election and becoming a very firm, strong official opposition. What advice would you give the federal NDP? It would be simple. Get away from Justin Trudeau. You know, they entered into what I jokingly referred to as the axis of weasels a couple of years ago. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's a that's a nine out of ten. There's no doubt about it. (laughs) To transform uh, Trudeau's minority government into a majority government and work for Justin Trudeau. It's been terrific for him. But it has hurt Jagmeet Singh and it's hurt the new Democratic Party and it's going to hurt them in the future, too. And here's how. When Trudeau sees, or whoever the next liberal leader is, sees that they're in some considerable trouble, right? The polls have been now showing for months now, basically since the month of May, that Pierre Polyev is between 10 and 
15 points ahead. Like that's a massacre at the Liberal Party of Canada. That's Mike Lignatieff level. What Singh needs to do is get away from the blast radius because what Trudeau is going to do is say, if you want to stop uh, Pierre Polyev, New Democratic voters, mm. if you want to stop that, you got to vote for me. And it's worked before and it'll work again. So in order to prevent that kind of evisceration of his own base from happening, Singh needs to get oh. away from the, you know, the friendly embrace of the Trudeau liberals. Before Ben, an, can I make can I make the case the NDP had to use their leverage? They would have been greatly criticized not to use a degree of leverage and, and play kingmaker and get some of the things vital to them. But to your point, the pivot could be made at any point in time to say you're not delivering enough. We're out. There were opportunities to slide out, as you call it, of the access of weasels, which is great. But 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 you have to use that leverage when you have it in politics, don't you, Warren? Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. You do. And he, he does have some leverage. You know, he's able to get the dental plan right. thing and a couple other things. But for the most part, it, it was a friendly takeover of the new Democratic Party of Canada. And, you know, so Singh has got to figure, and I don't think, I think he's a very nice guy. I think all of us have met him. You know, he's friendly and he's engaging and so on, but he's been kind of a crummy leader for them. You know, you look back on people like Jack Layton or Ed Broadbent, who, by the way, were always strong on the issue of, of Israel and Israel's right to exist in safe and secure borders. But anyway, Singh is just, mm. you know, he's let the new Democrat brand be appropriated by the Trudeau liberals. And that's smart mm. on the part of Justin Trudeau. That was a good move, but it's been a bad result for Jagmeet Singh. Ben, I mentioned this earlier, and, and there's Warren in, invoking it. Ed Broadbent would have run against your father in 84 and 88, and there was just a, a stalwart steadfastness as to you knew what you got with the NDP. They were easily able to identify who they fought for, the working class, the little guy. And there is that concept, isn't there, Ben, that the NDP federally has gotten away from that too much? They they, they 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 have an anti-Semitic problem is what they have and you know they've got uh, they've got their convention coming up and, um, and 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 again they've got the boycott divestment and sanctions issue um, in order for them to address this fundamentally structurally as a party in order for them to come out on the right side of this they have to they have to address the systemic issue within their party where they believe Israel's a, an apartheid state you believe Israel's an apartheid state then you believe that. Um, I mean, find find one redeeming thing that we ever said about South South Africa under apartheid. We didn't Uh, because it was fundamentally an evil regime. And if you believe that, then you believe that you are righteous in your attacks on them in on all fronts. And until they address that fundamental problem, um, I I, I don't I don't see that party coming uh, a whole hog Mm. as a party coming on side. You may have one person here, one person there. Look, when I was looking for Jagmeet Singh's um, uh, first uh, words on this statement, I found, I went to the NDP website and you click on the name Jagmeet Singh and the statement uh, in support of Israel wasn't even written by him. It was written by Heather McPherson. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. that that tells you a lot about the political courage that he is lacking right now to do the right thing. You know, um, Warren said, get away from Justin Trudeau. He's got to get away from Justin Trudeau, but in getting away from him, he's got to find the backbone that he lost so many months mm-hmm. ago. And there were there were a few there were a few key things that he got uh, out of this uh, supply mm-hmm. and confidence uh, deal, but uh, the time the, the value of that has since passed for the NDP. He has been caught in a lot of situations where he is fundamentally um, outraged by mm-hmm. this government, and then he says that in the House, and then he comes out and says that uh, he is not going to be withdrawing his support from this arrangement. So this is uh, this, you know, the, I'm sure it served its purpose for for him and the values that he holds. Good for him. 
But if he can't see that it's dragging him down at this point, uh, I, you, can, you can lead a horse to water. Yeah. But if he wants to throw himself in and drown himself, that's up to him. Let's move quick, guys. I want to get two more things in. Yesterday, uh, a settlement agreed to Danny Fortan, who ran Canada's uh, COVID-19 response team from the Canadian military. Um, he was accused of a sexual assault back in 1988. He was charged in the fall of 2021. But it was very clear the military dumped him. And we don't know what he did. We don't know what he didn't do. But we do know he was cleared in a court of law. So I'd ask both of you this, starting with you, Ben. We've got to do better than we ever have and we ever used to. We have to listen to every accuser and accusation. But the accused has to get a proper day in court. And clearly, clearly, by the government rolling over and and paying this out, it's deemed that didn't happen here. Is that safe to say? I think uh, that the the reckoning uh, after George Floyd and the reckoning that led to Me Too were vital moments in our um, sort of evolution as a society. They were. But there was, I think everybody at this point or a lot of people would agree that in certain aspects of those evolutions, there was an overcorrection. I I worked with very sane, well-educated people who used to spout out when this was all happening, I believe all victims. I said, well, first, the fundamental concept of that is wrong because to suggest that everyone who makes an accusation is a victim by, by a legal standard is wrong. They are an, an, an accuser until they, are, they, they become a victim and it's proved in a court of law. We have mm. been sensi- sensitized to issues of, of trauma and why it takes certain women different times to report. Why do you go back to your, uh, to, to your uh, alleged um, uh, perpetrator of, of the crime? These are all things that we understand a little more. We understand the yeah. police's obligation to be more sensitive. These are fundamental um, great things that have happened to our system. Um, and I think if we had to do it over again with that sensibility, um, we, we would find out that we have a more fair and compassionate system today. Um, so, yes, he, uh, he he was lacking. He was lacking the ability to um, when the, the accusations came out, um, it, 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 he, he was part of the, the overcorrection. Warren, when we look at we look at some cases, the, the Headley lead singer was on trial and these women got just just taken pillar to post by the defense lawyer or even something as spectacular as the Johnny Depp Amber Heard situation. We say, how can we put women through this on the stand? And that's true. But what also is true is probably everything Ben said is that we are really rushing to judgment in some of these cases. And this seems some, not all. And this seems like a textbook case of that. And I agree with every word that Ben said. And, you know, like uh, I confess, I'm a lawyer and I've taught, taught innocent youngsters how to be a lawyer and I've done a lot of libel law. It's really easy, particularly in the era of social media, to make an allegation. You can do it instantaneously for free and it can go around the world. And the Fortan case shows that, you know, when you win, when you defeat the allegation, when you show that the terrible things that were said about you are false, not as much attention gets paid to that. So, you know, we really need to exercise caution. That's why we've got libel laws and we've got, uh, you know, other laws in place to ensure that people have a discourse that's civil. But yeah, this is a very sad case. I hope this man rehabilitates his reputation, but it's going to be really, really hard to do so. Yeah. And, and and in fairness, it's possible the woman has an interpretation of an event that's very, very possible. It's also possible they couldn't find evidence um, 20. What are we talking? 33 years later, um, that that wrongdoing was done. But everybody's got to have their day in court is the point. I think we're all three making. Greg, look Absolutely. at look at the Trevor Bauer case, the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers um, mm-hmm. uh, pitcher 
who lost his entire career. I think he's pitching in Japan right now. Uh, and uh, it, to, when you, you yeah. see the, this, this, this looks like it was a, a woman who gamed the system to get money out of a very rich uh, person. And while that is not indicative of all <laughs> of all um, uh, alleged victims, uh, it, it, it does demonstrate yeah. that we need to proceed with caution every Got- time. Yeah, guys, I got a blast. It's Toronto this weekend with guest host Ben Mulrooney uh, joining us, of course. And that's 7 to 10 tomorrow, 7 to 10 on Sunday. Please do give him a listen. And Warren, I know we'll hook up next week. Thanks for the time, fellas. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Pleasure. Thanks so much.